0: Hello, I'm Philip Sales. In this video, I'm interviewing Michelle Dyson, a government lawyer. We'll be talking about the process within a government department for working up a policy proposal for legislation. Michelle, what are the circumstances in which legislation comes to be proposed?
1: There are a number of different ways in which legislation can, can be proposed. I mean, most obviously, I suppose, is a manifesto commitment, or what we've got um, under the, the current government, a coalition uh, commitment. So, for example, the coalition has made it um, one of its top commitments to introduce legislation to free up um, state schools from local authority control. Uh, so they've now introduced a bill, the Academy's bill, to do that. So that would be your your first way in which legislation comes to be proposed. Um, you might have emergency legislation. So straight after uh, 9-11, we had the anti-terrorism, crime and security at two thousand and one, where they passed legislation to, to detain um, f- uh, foreign terrorist suspects legislation that was sub- subsequently struck down by the House of Lords more recently you've had um, emergency legislation again about um, terror terrorist suspects in this case um, the the assets of terrorists the uh, the Supreme Court in this case struck down the legislation under which the assets were um, were detained. And the uh, the government passed emergency legislation as a short term measure to enable those assets to continue to be uh, to be held.
0: And what about the Law Commission? Does that propose legislation?
1: That does propose legislation. I mean, the Law Commission just recommends things to government, so it's still for the government to take take forwards the legislation. But you do have quite a number of um, acts on the on the statute book which originated with the Law Commission. Um, a recent example is the Bribery Act 2010, which initiated with a with a Law Commission report. And and sometimes you'll just have legislation that, that responds to an, an immediate um, sort of public pressure. So uh, the, the bad example that's always given is the Dangerous Dogs Act. You know, people always say um, repent at speed and sorry, um, legislate at speed and, and repent at, at leisure. Um, but you'll have numerous examples of that sort of thing where there's a sort of public outcry about something and the government brings forward, forward legislation to address that issue. And I suppose I mean, at the moment you'll be looking at, I would guess, a lot of legislation to um, enable the government to make savings given the difficult uh, financial situation that we're in.
0: You're a, a civil servant or official. What part do officials play in developing the policy proposals for legislation?
1: All sorts of different roles. Um, I mean, the, talking about the, the officials within a department. I mean, the, the, I suppose the most central person is the policy official. The policy official's role is to take the idea that comes from the public or comes from the, the manifesto, or whatever it is, and develop that idea, take it all the way through until it's uh, into legislation, and then and then to implement it. Uh, the policy official will work very closely with ministers as part of that process. You also, on bigger bills, you'll have a, a bill manager, because a bill is like a sort of a massive project in some ways, really complicated, loads of different people to sort of bring together. When you're in Parliament, you have huge amounts of uh, paper Every every time you're in Parliament, you'll get loads of amendments tables by opposition MPs. Each amendment has to be you have to do notes for the, for the minister. So there's a there's a lot of just managing of this big project, and that's the bill manager's job. Uh, the bill manager will also um, deal with handling issues. So looking at um, Relationships you know how the bill is likely to go down in Parliament, how it's likely to go down with other sort of interested parties who may lobby in parliament, so that sort of handling aspect is is also the bill manager's job, but on smaller bills, the policy official would deal with all of that as well as um, as well as the the policy then you have the lawyer um,
0: and that would be you and that would be it? me
1: um who would work very closely with the policy official in developing the policy. I mean obviously the lawyer will also ad, uh, advise on sort of classic legal issues, you know human rights sort of issues. But probably more of their time will be spelt, spent in helping the policy official to develop the policy and working out how you can get um, a sort of fairly straightforward possibly policy idea, let's free up um, schools from local authority control Getting that to the detail of legislation, so getting that into law um, is is very much a sort of team effort between the policy official and the lawyer.
0: And who else are on the team? What about um, uh, how much it's all going to cost?
1: Yeah, I mean economists, depending on the nature of the bill, that, you know, their role may be bigger or smaller depending on the nature of the bill. But every bill, or virtually every bill, you would expect it to have an impact assessment that accompanies it, which is a document that, that explains what the costs and benefits are of, of each of the possible options, including the option of doing nothing. And that's normally signed off by the chief economist. And on a bill that's very much uh, you know, sort of going to cut an awful lot of money, the economist will play a, a significant role and be a key, key part of the team.
0: And how does the minister keep control of this
1: well, the minister is heavily involved, and um, so his private office—that is, the, the, the sort of officials who work directly in his office—a diary secretary and, and a number of other uh, other officials are key players. And, and it's key for the policy official to sort of form a good relationship with those, um, the people surrounding the minister. They're the people who go to every meeting with the minister. They will go be in Parliament with the. Um, with the minister they'll commission the briefing from officials they'll just make sure that everything is um, in order for, for what their minister needs they'll also pass back messages from their minister to officials so they're if you like the gatekeeper <coughs> of the minister
0: and one hears <coughs> sometimes about special advisors, Who who are they
1: special advisors they they are technically civil servants, so like the rest of us, but they are political appointees, so they work directly to the minister and they only, they, they only stay there as long as the minister himself or herself uh, stays there. They will be looking at the sort of political uh, party political aspects of the bill that impartial civil servants can 't get involved in. They tend to only be... I mean, in my department, we have two special advisers. So they're spread pretty thin, and how involved they are in the bill will depend on how sort of politically controversial it is. I mean, the, the other people to mention, who are normal civil servants, are, are press office. Because it's really important when you're doing a, a, a bill um, for the department... You know, a bill is a really it's a big investment for the department, likely to have a pretty high profile, and it's important that the department gets across to, to the public what, what it believes the benefits are of this. And that's the press office's job. And they'll draft um, press releases, but in conjunction with the policy um, official and, and the lawyer. And, and you'll have press conferences, and the, which the minister will host, but you would expect officials to be there supporting the, the uh, minister.
0: So once the government department has set up its uh, team of officials, what do they do?
1: What do they do? Well they start to develop the policy idea. So you might have uh, what seems like quite a straightforward idea, but it needs teasing out. And some of that will actually just be the team sitting around a table and sort of bouncing ideas around and trying to um, work out what it really means and, w- and what the different options are to put to, uh, to put to ministers. You'll also want to be looking out for any you know big legal problems. Uh, are there obvious human rights issues that are going to need to be worked around or, or you're going to need to take a different tack.
0: What other legal the, problems might emerge at, at that early stage?
1: Um, I mean, legal issues, maybe so, not so much of a legal problem, but a legal issue such as um, you, you'd want to be looking at for devolution issues. So are you likely to be legislating in um, devolved territory and therefore need to, to engage heavily with your uh, p- counterparts in Scotland, Wales, Northern Ireland? It is possible to legislate in devolved territory, but you'd need, say, in Scotland, you'd need um, the Scottish Parliament to, by convention, you'd need Scottish, the Scottish Parliament to agree to that. So your lawyers would be looking out for that sort of thing. You'd also start to want to, be, you'd want to be gathering your data um, for for the impact assessment that that I just mentioned, because you want to be, you want your evidence base to be as strong as possible in terms of understanding the the costs and benefits of of what you're doing. You'll want to start talking to other government departments who might have an interest to see to test out how your minister's thinking is going to is going to play in those in those departments. So I think those are the sort of things you do at the early stages.
0: And, and once you've worked through some of those issues, what happens next?
1: Then you've got to start engaging with your with your minister. Um, because you wouldn't want to start talking to people outside the department. I mean, it's one thing to talk to people in other departments, but you certainly can't go beyond that until until you've got a feel for where your minister stands on all of this. So what you would do um, is put a submission up to your minister, so that's a, um, a written uh, document that sets out the, the various options. You'll still, at this stage, be at a reasonably high level of, of detail... Um, but you could give a sense of where the different options might might take you um, and you would put a recommendation and just get a feel for whether for where your minister stands on that and your minister might want a meeting to, to discuss, usually pro- probably your junior minister, although it might be your Secretary of State as well, um, just to sort of tease out what, what the, they think the direction of policy should be.
0: And once uh, officials have the, the, the minister's views, what do they then seek to do?
1: Well, you'd carry on developing the policy, but a key part of that is going to be talking to your stakeholders. That's your sort of interested parties outside. So maybe there might be a charity that campaigns heavily on this issue or lobby groups or... Uh, you might have people you've written in to your minister saying asking for meetings all the sort of people who have an interest in in the policy area you'd want to start talking to them and uh, as part of that, you would probably want to do a formal consultation, which normally means a written document where you allow twelve twelve weeks for for people to to um, feed in their feed in their views. but before you could launch that, you would need. Um, cabinet clearance. So we work on a uh, this um, under our constitution. We work on a um, the basis where the cabinet has to clear any sort of significant policy development, and certainly the what the policy underlying a bill would need cabinet clearance. Oh,
0: and why is cabinet clearance yeah. important?
1: Because you need everyone signed up. To, you need everyone signed up to what what the policy is. You need all. I mean, particularly where they have other departments have interest. But as I say, we we have collective government, so even where other departments don't have interests, their ministers, that we everyone has to take responsibility for what, what the policy is.
0: And what sort of mm-hmm. materials would be sent out with a, a formal consultation document?
1: Well, for, for, sorry, for cabinet clearance? Do you mean or no, for, no, the, for, for the actual uh, for consultation for the with actual consultation. stakeholders? Um, <clears throat> you would have an impact assessment. You always have an impact assessment, which. Um, is the document that explains the costs and benefits of each of the options that you've looked at. I mean, it might be fairly sketchy at the time of consultation because part of the purpose of consultation might in fact to be to, to gather further information for the impact assessment.
0: And what other, <clears throat> are there other I- informal ways of gathering uh, the views of people who might be interested in uh, this particular area of legislation?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you'd, you might well want to do um, workshops, you, you would have meetings with people who, who you know are interested. I suppose the benefit of a formal consultation is it reaches beyond the people that you know are
0: interested. And what happens with the uh, results from a formal consultation?
1: You, you analyse them and use them to, to further develop the policy and, and put further options to your minister.
0: In our next video Michelle will be explaining the detailed development of policy proposals for legislation.